<clears throat> All right, guys, back to Proverbs chapter 3. Let me tell you where we are, and then we'll, we'll go further uh, in this pursuit. Guys, um, we started uh, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, a, a, a passage that says, if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is, <clears throat> if your eye is unhealthy, if your eye is bad, then your whole body is full of darkness. And so what I said uh, that first time is, is, is to tell you what that eye is. It's the way by which you look at, it's the way that you look at life. It's, it's, your, it's your perspective. It's the way that you evaluate all that, that comes across your path. It's how you see things. And so um, then I went on to suggest that the Christian mindset is, can be found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 through 12. Now, I'm not saying that this is all the Christian mindset, but I'm saying it's a big chunk of it. Um, and what I'm saying is, verses 3 to, through 12, is the eye. This eye that we want to be healthy is right here. And, and I'm sure this, we could add to it. But here's a nice chunk of what a healthy eye would, a, a view of life would be. And so then we, uh, we start, went to the, the, the opening of chapter 3, and I told you that one of the, the, the father's real concerns was that we not forget certain things because we tend to be uh, forgetful. And so in verse uh, 3 here, he says, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart, because he's insisting that there are things that are so urgent, so important, that we simply must not forgive them or forget them. And so he said, okay, so what is it that he wants us to remember? Well, the two that are mentioned here in verse 3 is steadfast love and faithfulness. Last week, we looked at steadfast love. We looked at um, chesed. And, um, and I said to you then that um, I don't want just love because I guarantee you I'm going to give God numerous reasons to stop loving me. I'm going to give him numerous causes to take his love back. What I want is not just love. I want steadfast love. Um, I want loyal love. I want covenantal love. I want unbending love. I, I want a love that will stick with me when I am particularly unloving or unlovely. Um, if, if my name is David and I've got a Bathsheba in my life, then I don't want you to tell me just about love. I want you to tell me about steadfast love. I want you to tell me about loyal love. A love that will refuses to let me go. Um, that, that, of course, is assuming that I've put Bathsheba aside. Uh, I mean, if you want to hold on to Bathsheba, I'm not going to tell you about steadfast love. Uh, I'm going to tell you about consequences of sin, which are pretty. But uh, once I have been, I've seen my sin, then I want somebody to tell me about chesed, loyal love. Well, tonight, <clears throat> we move on to that second thing that he wants us to remember, and it has to do, or it is translated here, faithfulness. Now, let me, let me just do a couple of quick things by way of preface, and then we'll jump in. Um, gang, whenever you find this combination of words, steadfast love, and faithfulness. And by the way, you will find it numerous times in the Bible. That combination of words, 
Steadfast love and faithfulness. By the way, when you find that combination, it is always, I say always, but there may be, but I'll I'll just use always. It is always talking about God. Let me read you one that's found in Proverbs 16. Uh, This is verse 6. By steadfast love and faithfulness. There's the combination. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. Well, who could possibly atone for iniquity other than God? So when you find this combination, oh, and by the way, let me show you. I mean, let me mention one other. Um, Last week, I made reference to Psalm 30, I mean, Exodus 34, verse 6. And I said it was a piece of God's self-disclosure. And I I, uh, um, pointed you where God is kind of introducing himself to Moses And he says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. There it is again. And who's it describing? It's describing God. So you've got this combination of words that often appear together because this seems to be a significant portion of the nature and the character of God that will benefit God's people not to forget that. Um, Now, okay. Um, we must not forget steadfast love, but we must not forget faithfulness. Now, what is that? The Hebrew word um, is, um, those are herics again. It's the word emet, aleph, mem, tate. Um, Emet. Now that's the Hebrew word that's translated faithfulness right there. It's found several times in the in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament. <clears throat> and it is translated in some of your translations with the word truth. Um, it, it, it most frequently is translated faithfulness, but sometimes it is translated truth. And I'm going to show you, I hope to show you the connection between those two. <clears throat> but guys, what is it that is packed into this word, emet? If I'm a Hebrew writer, and you're a Hebrew listener, and I write emet, and you hear emet, what goes off in your mind? What is it? What is the author saying to me when the author says, don't forget emet, don't forget that? What, what is loaded into this word? Well, gang, when you're doing a word study, which I told you I'm giving you something that you don't want, um, but when you're doing a word study, you go all over the Old Testament and you find the various ways that the, that the word is used. And sometimes you find one that's really helpful. And I found one. It's in Deuteronomy 32. If you can find Deuteronomy 32 real quick, um, what I'm trying to answer is, <clears throat> what is packed into the word emet? Now, gang, um, uh, this is in Deuteronomy 32. Um, it is the song of Moses. Moses is about to die. Moses uh, sing, uh, writes this song. Uh, he then blesses the 12 tribes, and then he goes and dies in the next chapter. So this is at the end of his life. And he, uh, the, the song is just 
wonderfully rich, but I'm just going to show you one verse in it. <clears throat> verse 4, Deuteronomy 32.4. The rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Okay, guys, first of all, you see, a God of faithfulness, that's Emmet. But when Moses writes this, and he says to these people, your God is a God of Emmet, what is in the mind of Moses? Well, he tells you. The figure in his mind is that this God of Emmet is a rock, a rock. Now, gang, um, the title rock is used a lot in the Psalms. Uh, I mean, God has granted or given the title rock. But what are properties of a rock? I mean, think of Plymouth Rock. I mean, people still go visit that thing, you know, uh, on their vacations. They go up to Plymouth Rock, and there it is. Or uh, the Rock of Gibraltar. I mean, that, have you ever seen that? It's really, it's really more of a mountain than it is a rock. But uh, the thing that came to my mind, if you've ever been to Athens, you know, Paul preached on this thing called the Areopagus. Well, you know what the Areopagus, I stood on it. You know what the Areopagus is? It's a big rock. Now, it's a big rock. I mean, when I was on the rock of the Areopagus, I mean, this must have been another 100 people on the Areopagus when, when I was there. Some of them were, you know, sunbathing and others were, you know, just taking pictures. But, I mean, it's a big rock. What is the properties of a rock? Well, they're solid. They, um, they don't crumble. They don't, um, they don't erode. There's a certain stability to a rock. It doesn't move. It's, um, it's unchanging. All of those things are because it's a rock. Just imagine, just imagine you decide, well, you, know, you lose your temper. You lose your temper and you say, well, you know, I'm just mad at that rock right there. And, you know, I'm going to hit that rock. I'm just going gonna, gonna to whirl away and, you know, just pound that rock. And so you just reach back and just hit that rock with everything you got. Well, tell me, who loses? But you've got a friend. You've got a friend who's got muscles on top of muscles, kind of like Don Johnson, you know. i got muscles all over him. And uh, he's the strongest man you've ever seen. And, uh, and he decides he's going to hit the rock. Well, I'll show that rock. And so he comes up to the rock and he smashes the rock. Wallops the thing. Well, who gets hurt? Why? And you see, you're watching this. And what you're being told here in Deuteronomy 32 is the rock is a, is a person. And so if, if, the rock, if, it's, if he's rock-like, that means he's unmovable. You can't budge him. And, and there's a strength and a stability and a solidity and a trustworthiness, and it doesn't change. 
And all of that, ladies and gentlemen, is packed into the word emet. Guys, um, when Moses is writing, um, this is kind of interesting too, guys. In the Psalms, I'll just read you one of these because it's all over the Psalms. But when, when, um, when the psalmist is using the term um, emet, um, watch this. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. Again, verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. Uh, uh, verse 7. On God rest my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Gang, do, do you understand? What I'm saying is, when the, when the Hebrew writers are using this figure of rock, what do they have in mind? They have this idea of a place of safety, a place that won't budge on them, a place that won't change and will protect them, something stable, something that's solid. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a met. You know, I, I said to you that the word is also translated truth, and sometimes, I mean, perhaps you've heard that, uh, that truth is rock solid. Because if we believe in an absolute truth, absolute truths don't change over cultures and times and generations. They're the same. They don't erode. They don't crumble. All of that, folks, is is piled into this word that you and I are not to forget. When biblical writers used the term emet, they were communicating something of the attributes of God, attributes that one would find in a rock. Like stability and strength and solidity and unchangingness. So, I go back to Proverbs 3, and I hear he tells me, don't ever forget. Don't forget that the God, I mean, if you, want a, if you want a proper outlook on life, you must remember that God is not just a God of love, he's a God of steadfast love, and he is a God of emet. Something that is, I mean, the whole world is in a state of flux, but not God. Everything seems to shift. Words and their meanings change. Relationships are pretty flimsy these days. But God is in that. He's like a rock. Now, guys, um, those are the two things in verse 3 we're told to remember. Uh, Chesed and Emet. Stable, steadfast, loyal, covenantal love, and rock-like stability and protection.
You must never forget that. But, but, but guys, you remember I said at the very opening, when you find these, these two words in combination, they always refer to God. What you're being given here, if you want to have the right outlook, what you're being given here is just attributes of God. Things about God that you cannot afford to forget. Let's say there is a Bathsheba in your life. God forbid. Well, once you've seen your sin and you're done with that, then what Satan's going to do is going to try to tell you just how lost you are. Oh, you crossed the line with that one, buddy. It's all over for you. And somebody needs to tell you not that happiness is a warm puppy, but that God is a God of chesed. And He is, this God of covenantal love is a God of rock-solid trustworthiness. Now gang, you'll notice that verse 4 describes a promise that is made to people who don't forget these things. If you forget them, this promise isn't for you. But if you keep these things, if, if these are the things that are defining your outlook on life, um, notice the promise in verse 4. So you will find favor. Gang, I, I've said this to you more than you want to hear, but um, the, the Septuagint is a book that was translated in the mid-3rd century B.C. It's a Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint, and you'll, you'll often see it in, in literature. It's just referred to with the 70. <clears throat> but it was, it's, a, it's a Greek translation of Hebrew. So when in 250 B.C., when those scholars were translating this text in Hebrew, the word that they used for favor is the word charis. which means grace. You remember these things and then you will find grace and good success in the sight of God and man. You know, guys, it, it's, it's interesting to me that when a, when a person experiences this favor of God, that it's 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 beautiful in heaven, but it's also beautiful when people see it horizontally. They might be unbelievers, but if they see God's favor on you, they recognize that as something that they'd really like to have. Gang, um, this is a promise that is uh, you find a very similar one made to Joshua uh, in the first chapter of Joshua. It says, you know. Uh, if you don't turn to the left, turn, turn, turn to the right, but you just follow my, then um, you will find good success. Favor and good success. Um, but if you want to see the difference in favor and good success and its absence, well, let me show you, give me, a, give me a, an example. It's found in Joshua 9 and 10. Remember, um, you remember they moved into the promised land, they had to fight Jericho, and they, they just burned Jericho to the ground. Then there was this little skirmish that they had with Ai, remember that? 
32 Hebrews were killed because they only they, they didn't take this seriously. So then they take care of Ai when they get their, themselves straight. And then comes chapter 9. That's in chapter 7. But you come to chapter 9, and these people, the Gibeonites, show up. Remember the story of the Gibeonites? Oh, sure you do. I know that you've been talking to your children about the Gibeonites for years. The good old Gibeonites. Well, the Gibeonites see that this nation of Israel, they're pretty tough. And so they sneak in the back way, and they, uh, you know, they <coughs> load their donkeys down with some stale bread, and they have some bad uh, sandals on, and uh, you know, their wineskins are just crumbling. And they, they say to the Joshua and the boys, listen, we're from a far away. Where are y'all from? Oh, far, far, far away. How about making a deal with us? Because we're far, far, far away. Well, it turns out that, you know, they're right around the corner. But um, Joshua and the elders, we're told, make a deal. But here's a sentence that you cannot miss in that story. So the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. <clears throat> as soon as the ink was dry on the, on the, on the deal, Gibeon, the Gibeonites say, ha, 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 we live around the corner. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, you got scammed, boys. And then you come to chapter 10. And um, all of these kings are scared to death of Joshua and Israel, and so they... They hook up together and fight him. Five kings of the Amorites. And um, Joshua seeks the Lord this time because he learned his lesson. And then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. What, what I'm saying is, guys, chapter 9, no, chapter 10 is an example of favor and good success. Chapter 9 is a good illustration of our lives. Because we forgot. Like Joshua did right here, you know. He, he didn't seek counsel from the Lord. No, oh, no. I mean, they've got crusty old bread. I mean, those boys wouldn't lie to us, would they? Those Gibeonites. I've always told the Gibeonites, tell the truth. But they didn't. And they didn't seek counsel from the Lord, and neither do you. And then wonder why. I got scammed. No favor, no success, favor and success. That's the promise that's being extended to us, ladies and gentlemen. Guys, listen to this. I read this. I've got a set of commentaries that I've been using for 45 years. And it's just little snippets from people's sermons on a particular text. And I read it in, in this, and that's in that commentary set, and, and it's, it's such a truism, and oh, that you would believe it. He said, this man said, I don't even know the man's name. <clears throat> they, they just give you initials, like I'm supposed to know the initials. So um, this guy, DCR, whoever he was, um, said this. He said, regeneration is by sovereign grace. Friendship comes via obedience. Guys, we are in 
the household of faith because of sovereign grace. Regeneration comes from sovereign grace. But friendship? The smile of heaven? The grace and good success? The favor and the good success? The victory over the enemies or the loss to the enemies? Oh no, ladies and gentlemen, that comes from obedience. Regeneration comes from sovereign grace. Friendship. And if you ignore these principles and adopt another <clears throat> set of eyes, then don't be claiming verse 4 as being your promise for your life. Because that promise comes on the heels of this plea on the, far, on the part of the Father. Son! You must not forget said. And emet. That must be in the forefront of your thinking. Your eye must be trained by certain things that you know to be true about God. Like what, Father? Oh, chesed and emet. Don't forget those. Because what you get is the opposite of grace and good success. And some of us live like that. Going from one loss to the next. Because we, like Joshua, mm, we fail to consider you know, God about, you know, and seeking his counsel about that. <laughs> Who needs that? Now one other thing and I'm done. Guys, just an interesting note to me, and I, I, I hope it will be for you. The father says to his son, son, there are certain things that you've got to remember. And son, if you do, you can count on favor and good success. But you've got to remember these things, son. Well, Dad, what, exactly what do you want me to remember? I mean, what, what is it that I should ever forget? God, I mean, I mean Father, just tell me, what, what is it? Well, now, son, you need to memorize the Ten Commandments. That's not what he said. He doesn't say, son, if you want to prosper, I want you to, you know, make sure that you understand the law. That's not what he said. He said, son, there are a couple of things about God that I really want you to know. There, that is, he's not just a God of love. He's a God of steadfast, loyal, covenantal unchanging, unbending love. And as far as his trustworthiness, oh my, he's like a rock. Son, the thing that's going to it, compel you to become more and more like your Father in heaven or more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ is not law. It's beauty. Gang, how do we change? How do we, make, how do we make strides in becoming more like Jesus Christ? By turning to Exodus 20 and memorizing the Ten Commandments? No. 
The thing that drives behavior is beauty. Son, I want you to remember a couple of things about the Heavenly Father. He's a God of steadfast love and and, and Matt. Oh, Dad, I got it. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, kind of like, you know, uh, the, the Plymouth Rock. I got it. Wow, Father. That's just beautiful. And that's what drives us. Our grasp of the attributes of God. Our enjoyment of divine beauty. When this father made sure that his son would remember something, it wasn't law. It was beauty. These are attributes of God, ladies and gentlemen. So son, once you get overwhelmed with the great beauty of God, it will drive you into more and more conformity with that God. And then son... (laughs) You know what happens then? He will grant favor and good success. So don't forget, brother and sister, it's way more important than we believe. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablets of your heart. Chesed and Amen. Our Father, would you, um, would you show us the urgency that is contained in this text that um, the, the very thing that we want to see is the smile of heaven, the favor of God, the, the, the good success as your, as your word defines it. And yet we go about it all the wrong way. The thing that should overwhelm us is not the stringencies of law. The things that should overwhelm us is the beauty of deity. Give us eyes to see the God of steadfast love and the God of rock-like faithfulness. We long for that, Father. and pray that you will grant it in Jesus. For Jesus' sake, and we pray in his name. Amen.